Yes. It's so good to hear your voice. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> hey, that's awesome. Hey, I, uh, Ann White, I want to welcome you to the um, podcast tonight, Growth Mindset. Uh, we do a lot of tennis coaches, tennis professionals, uh, business leaders, uh, CEOs, different people around the country. Uh, and I've done a lot of tennis uh, so far, and I've really enjoyed it. And it's just a real, true honor and pleasure to have uh, one of my uh, tennis idols on tonight. So I've enjoyed watching you through the years. And just to get the opportunity to be able to speak with you tonight is a real honor. Well, thank you. And, and what I'm going to do is introduce you to the audience. Um, I know that you know, you've been around for a while and, and we, we, you've had a, a spectacular career, but I just want to introduce you to some different people out there uh, that follow the podcast just to make sure that I put some things out front here about you that are just so incredible. I think um, it's just going to be uh, eye-opening for some people to, to hear this. Um, Ann White, uh, Los Angeles, California, former uh, professional tennis player, and I'm assuming was it the WTA at the time you were playing? Mm -hmm. At that point, it was WTA. So she's a former WTA uh, tennis professional. She reached number 19 uh, in the world in singles, reached number nine in the world in doubles. Uh, she was a two-time All-American at the University of Southern California her sophomore year. Um, and I'm assuming it was the end of your sophomore year you signed with IMG Nick Bolitari Academy. Uh, well, well, I turned pro. It's it's it, I mean, right. Yeah. You turned pro, and that's yeah. that's when right at, at the end of your sophomore year. Yeah. And we'll get into details on the academy here in a second, but just so fascinating. And I know, um, wouldn't soon after that, not too soon, uh, long after that, um, that's when you played, um, made history in Wimbledon in 1985. Uh, and I know you had an article in Racket Magazine. We're going to get into that in a little bit as well. Uh, where you broke out the skin tight one piece nylon bodysuit, and I know that's going to follow you forever. That's I, me. That's because it reminds. <laughs> I mean, I just when we linked up on Facebook right away, I knew. I said, "There she is," you know, because I remember that. Uh, you and I are fairly similar in age, so I remember that as a as a young guy watching tennis. So pretty impressive. Well, and then um, also, uh, you produced the Showtime documentary uh, "Love Means Zero. Um, with your old coach, uh, with uh, your old coach Nick Bolitari, mm -hmm. which is pr pretty incredible. And I know you're currently tennis director at the Beverly Hills Tennis Club in uh, California. Is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> That's awesome, awesome. And it's just so fascinating. Uh, your background just um, is really, really interesting. You and you, you know, you're. Uh, what really blows me away about you is tennis has been in your blood. It seems as though from the time you picked the racket up to our conversation right now, you've stayed in, in the game. You know, you're still coaching and teaching. Well, and... I, not 100%. I, oh, I, gotcha. took, I took a little 20-year hiatus. But... Oh, did you really? Oh, yeah. that's cool to know. <laughs> and we'll get into that, too. That's awesome <laughs> that you did that. But, um, you know, what I want to do, Ann, was just kind of start off with just – and you feel free to stop me anytime to get me to take a breath because I'm so excited. Um, I just want to ask you, you know, how did it all begin? You know, I mean, uh, well, actually, I'm from Charleston, West Virginia. I don't know if you I do know that I knew that. And I was going to let you kind of share that with the audience, because I, I, I'm not a, I'm sure a lot of people may not be aware. That's just a rock throw from Kentucky over yeah. here on the other side. Right. That's Ashland, right. Kentucky. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Charleston, West Virginia, and my dad was captain of the West Virginia University basketball team. Wow. And okay. he played with Hot Rod Hunley and he helped recruit Jerry West um, to the Mountaineers back in the day. And so he always had a ball in my hand when I was little. And we, you know, um, just did a lot of sports stuff as a kid. And then um, when I was just shy of six, my mother would go to the Charleston Tennis Club and play in her weekly tennis games. Okay. And, um she would bring me along and um, my friends, I was doing ballet and swimming and horseback riding and all these other things that I didn't really like. And my friends made fun of me um, because I couldn't play tennis. And they said, ha ha ha, ha you can't play tennis. Ha 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 ha. So this <laughs> went on for several weeks. And I kept bugging my mom. I said, please, please. I, I don't like being teased I don't like this. Please put me in this group. So right. um, then within a week, um, 
the pro came up to my mother and said, you know, Anne can actually play and mm -hmm. I'm going to move her up with the nine-year-old. So I think because of my father, um, this is sort of a long-winded way of, of explaining it, but because of my dad um, being a basketball player, he has mm -hmm. that hand-eye coordination at a very young age for me. Right. So when I got into tennis, um, obviously I liked it and, um, and I was gifted and then my parents started, um, or started playing in, you know, local tournaments and regional tournaments and then sectionals and nationals. And when I was, I think nine years old, I was 29 in the country in the 12 and unders from Charleston, West Virginia, which is, wow. so, you know, I was, I was very fortunate to have, you know, incredibly supportive parents and, um, and also grew up at a at a great time in West Virginia when when tennis was you know really really um, blossoming. Yeah, that is fascinating. So that led you, you know, what's interesting is being in Charleston, West Virginia, and you know I, I'm I'm currently a PTR teaching pro in tennis, and I started playing later at age 22 as a basketball player, kind of like your dad, not at the level he was at, but I did have basketball scholarships to play, and I ended up. Uh, you know, playing point guard on a corporate team. And then I picked up a tennis racket at 22 and got teased similarly that, that you did. I had you know, people teasing me, a buddy of mine threatened, you know, there's no way you can beat me. And of course he beat me the first time I played him. And then the bug hit me and that was it. Right. Played twice a day and I've been doing it ever since. But yeah. But, I mean, if you have, you know, that competitive right. spark in, in you, you know, nobody likes to lose. And I think I had that. Um, yes. At an early I mean, age. So. You do. I mean, you did. And it's phenomenal. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about uh, your journey, you know, as a junior. I know you ended up being nationally ranked. And how did Southern California, how did that come into the picture? Well, I was pretty much in the top 10 every year um, for the juniors. And mm -hmm. then um, what was really um fortuitous was the fact that the, the national 16s were held at the Charleston tennis club. So I was a ball girl for Chris Everett and um, mm. a lot of the top players um, in the country when I was nine years old. And so I was exposed to all the top players that came mm -hmm. in from Florida and, and pretty much they came from Florida or California back in the day. And so, um, you know, I, it gave me a goal and it gave me right. A reason to you know shoot for the shoot for the stars so to speak um and um i was very inspired by that and then mm -hmm. i kept my my junior um <clears throat> quest and kept competing and then nick Bolateri came to charleston west virginia when i was 14 and he saw me play in the national 16s and he approached my parents and said i'm going to start this little training academy in florida mm -hmm like you all to come down and I would like to invite Ann to come down. And, you know, back then this was, you know, the late seventies and, you know, people just didn't do things like that. And, right. but the issue was my coach, John Santrock, who was the head pro at the Charleston tennis club was only there in the summer. And in the winter, I played three hours a week indoors with my father's friends. So I didn't have a coach in the winter. Right. So my parents knew that in order for me to, really see if I could develop my game or, you know, possibly get a college scholarship that I needed to go to Florida. So I came down to Florida and lived with a family for two and a half years. Wow. And shortly after I came, um, Paul Anacone, um, Jimmy Arias, Carlene Bassett, Kathleen Horvath, Pablo Araya. Yep. Um, they, they all came down shortly after that. So, and the De Palmer family was down here as well. So it was really in the, in the infancy stages um, before Nick um, moved away from the colony and then, you know, got the land of 12. Wow. So, so did you, did you train at the colony then when Nick? Yeah, I did. did. I trained. Okay. Cause I watched the, I watched the, we're going to get into it in a little bit, but the, I watched the uh, documentary that you produced and we'll go into that in a minute, but that, and I noticed the colony and that was, that's in Naples. Is that correct? Around that area? No, it's, is it's, um, it's actually, um, uh, it, it was, it's now been demolished. The building of St. Regis, but it's on Longboat Key. And okay. I'm on I'm on Longboat Key tonight down here visiting my parents. That's a beautiful. That's one of my favorite places. I go to Anna Marie Island every year. Yeah. Rent a house. Uh, we love it there. We love Longboat Key. We love Sarasota, mm -hmm. you know, Columbia's restaurant. We love yeah. all that Ormond Circle. That's just so beautiful down there. So I know you what I have a real good kind of good vibe and feel for where you're at. So that's incredible. No, that's awesome. And did I guess those memories started when you were 
going down there as a as a as a young you know a youngster to to hit and play with Nick Bolletieri in that group. Then. Well, yeah, you know, I, I um, mm-hmm. you know, Nick changed my life, and he changed mm-hmm. so many people's lives. I mean, he never mm-hmm. charged me a penny. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with a lot of the top players, um, and mm-hmm. I lived with a family. And if mm-hmm. it hadn't been for Nick, I I don't think I would have had a professional career. I, I would have dropped off. I don't think I, that I would have had that extra push to get me. Um, mm-hmm. to you know, I, to I get noticed me. Nick come. I've seen him. You know, you've posted he's visited your club, and you know, I know you. You know, you. I mean, it's incredible that journey that you've been on, and and the fact that. We, you know, we will move into this, but you were able to to go back and actually produce the, the Showtime documentary Love Means Zero, you know, for your old coach. I thought it was just so well done. I what mean, happened was is the beach that I walk is the beach. My parents home is right across from the colony and I walk on that beach. Right. And the colony was basically, um, you know, it was tied up, um, you know, in litigation for like eight years. So it was abandoned. And really? literally there were mattresses up against the window and it was spent mm. in, and it was like somebody left there in the middle of the night. There were tennis sh- uh, score sheets just still on the table and it was bizarre. So mm-hmm. I had lunch with Nick after I saw the IMG Academy. This was about mm-hmm. five years ago. And I said, holy smokes, Nick, I can't believe what you did. I said, I said, I said, you know, there's a movie here, the documentary. I said, Mm -hmm. you know, let me go back to L.A. and talk to some friends. So I really didn't know what I was doing. Right. um, Because I'd never produced a movie before. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was pretty determined to tell the story and and show what Nick did. And, um, you know, certainly he made a lot of mistakes, but you know, he changed the game of coaching and, um, you know, he made a lot of sacrifices in his own life, but, um, you know, it, it, he's a phenomenal person and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just, and changed the game of tennis in so many ways. And wow. I thought yeah. it was important that that, um, story kind of be, touched. I just, I just thought you did it so brilliantly, you know, cause I, I happen to know Fritz now. I mean, this is just what a small world it is. Fritz and I played at the Lexington Tennis Club, and I remember when Nick came up there and did a demo and recruited Fritz mm-hmm. to come join him. And Fritz and I were really good friends at that time, and we played together. We got hit and talked smack with each other. Fritz had come down I seventy five, coming back from Bolitaries, and he'd say, "Ty Sparks, I'm at exit eighty one. Get me a get me a coke and a bag of M and M's. We're going to meet on court one. We're going to battle." You know, he was telling me as he's coming down the mile markers, and it was so funny. He one day he came up and he goes, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to work at, uh, with, for Nick at Bolletary. So I met Nick when he came in that one time, he introduced me to him. Yeah. Well, and, uh, the, that was just his lovely, journey. Lovely know? person. And, you know, he did yeah. a, a great job in the film and, yeah. um, certainly was, was a huge part of that early success for Nick. And, and, you know, this, this film really covered, you know, the nineties, that era when, you know, yeah. then one of the, another, another reason why I wanted to do the film is, you know, American tennis was really in its heyday when Nick was, you know, um, in full swing. And you have so many great American players. Um, and he created this environment where we all, you know, played against each other and, um, you know, had that passion for the game and wanted to be better than um, the best that we could be. And, and Nick made you feel that you could be and even better. Um, and so I think um, Fritz... Well, that came, through in the, that came through in the... Uh documentary the, the the movie it was just to me i learned to just appreciate nick for who he was it just came to me that you know he was so engaged and ingrained in it and he had such a commitment to the players uh but he was very focused on what he wanted to get accomplished you know and at the end of the day i mean when you've got that many kids under your wing you're not going to be able to please them all you oh, know absolutely. yeah and what came up to me in that thing which was really 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 cool because I'm a big Courier fan and Agassi fan. You know, I love Andre's book. I've read the, his biography and, you know, just he's a fascinating person and player and so is Courier, right? And uh, just amazing, you know, that Nick was kind of caught there and and just that's one scenario with just two players. But uh, but it actually fueled Courier to get better, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And he, and he did. I mean, it was incredible. You know, and there were so many good players that went came through there. And I know you mentioned several there. Um, 
And the same thing happened with Horvath. Was that her name? What was her name? Kathleen. Yes. Yeah, Kathleen. She actually had a, a couple of younger players. I think Carling Bassey came in, right? That that scenario. Well, Ka- you know. Carling was there, I think, before okay. Kathleen. Carling was there really early. But Carling, I think, is a little younger than Kathleen. That's what it was. But, okay. you know, but Nick. Good battles, though. Yeah. He, um, he put us all against each other. And yeah. You know, we wanted to play on that front court. And, you know, yeah. you, you had to do what it whatever it took usually to, to, you know, get him to give you attention. And, um, you know, it worked. I mean, he it had a way of communicating with the kids and instilling that belief and that drive and that passion. And, um, you know, it's, it's, and, and kids need that. That's what you need. You, you cannot need argue with Nick's results. Can you? Pushing. Can you? Yeah. And I mean, his results were phenomenal. If you, I'm going to get this wrong and you correct me, but I, I thought I heard in the, in the documentary, there was over there's somewhere around 180 grand slams at one point from all yeah. of them added up. If you, uh, yeah, you, I, I'm, there's there's a lot. Uh, you I, had Venus and Serena too, yeah. right? I mean, they're all included in. in I mean, this. everybody really who is anybody except for maybe Chris Everett and McEnroe and right. Martina, pretty much, you know, Borgwins was there at one point. I think Sampras was there at one point. Um, right. You know, they all they all you know drifted in there because the competition was so great and competition. the only person was, was had an academy at the time now everybody and their mother and brother has an academy but that's a whole different movie <laughs> yeah no it but you know he was the first one i believe based on what i heard in the documentary that actually had kids come stay you know as far as bordering uh young tennis players to come and stay and, and play Back yeah, and this, and, you know, a lot of them lived at his, several of them lived at his house. I didn't live at his house. But, right. You know, people lived at his house. I mean, he, he did, Nick did whatever, ever it would take to, um, you know, to fulfill that um, dream of, of having a tennis academy. And he did it. So this was 1981, I think, when the, when the Voluntary Academy, that was that the first year, I believe, 1981 for the actual. Um, I mean, I was there in the late 70s. I graduated high school in 79. Okay, gotcha. Then I went to, and Nick, to your college question a while back, Nick did not want me to go to college. He wanted me to turn pro, and my parents, um, they had a huge argument. um, Really? That's interesting. I think they stayed up all night one night, and and basically my mother won, as she always does, and uh, said she's going to college. So I went to USC, and then we were undefeated and national champs my freshman year, and um, and I'm glad I went to college. um, Right made some dear friends and joined a sorority and had somewhat of a normal life because getting out on the road that young is tough so brutal i mean it is just well i was going to ask you about your usc experience i mean you were you were there for two two seasons is that correct i left my second year and then towards the end i was playing professional tournaments and i was 35 in the world as as right amateur so then i turned pro to gotcha. play french open that year and all that so just my freshman year we won the nationals okay that's awesome that's phenomenal that was a great experience for you though. yeah no it was expanded your wonderful school you know you got a good feel for the you know for the uh the, the, the coast the west coast there right i mean that kind of gave you that experience i know you would have gotten some of that travel and playing the pro tournaments anyway but it kind of gave you a foundation to kind of launch from you know, as you went. Yeah, well, you know, the other thing is Florida is primarily clay. And even though I grew up on the clay and believe it or not, won three gold balls, the amateur clay courts on clay. I don't know how I did that, but um, I'm a hardcore player. And, and quite honestly, I'd rather play indoors where there's no sun or wind right. or anything like that. So clay was not really my surface. So, you know, California was was definitely my more my style of game, too. Did you play singles and doubles both at USC? Uh, I played number one doubles and number two singles my freshman year. Who was, out of curiosity, who was on that? Who was one uh, on that? Trey team? Lewis and the Fernandez sisters, Anna Maria and Anna Lucia. Fernandez. Okay. Well, y'all had a tough team then. Yeah, we had, a, I mean, we had a really good team. One, who, do you recall who you guys beat in the finals of the NCAA? We beat the University of Florida. Okay. That's awesome. Two mm-hmm. opposite ends of the country. Yeah. Fascinating. Great players from uh, the SEC there, too. Great, great job. And so that uh, then you it's you sign with IMG then uh, yeah, after your in, in your in your sophomore year yeah you okay what was that experience like when you signed pro I mean do you recall those emotions those feelings 
all that hard work you'd put, put I, in through. I mean, it's just surreal. I mean, I look back yep. at it now and it's like, who did that? Who was that? I mean, it was all, I guess, just, I mean, I always took everything as sort of next steps. I'm like, okay, well, we're here now and this is what we do now. And, you know, I mean, it was also, I think as a kid, I mean, I, I you know, wanted to, you know, get a college scholarship and then that happened and I ended up at USC and that was all like, wow, yeah. that I made that happen. And then I started playing professionally and, you know, it was, um, you know, a bit, a bit surreal. I, you work so hard and you play and then, you know, finally things start paying off and, um, um, you know, it was an incredible experience. I mean, my, I played doubles with Betsy Nagelson and, you know, she was married to Mark McCormick and, we got to the semifinals, the U.S. Open and the French Open. And, you know, it was it was a very exciting time. Um, now, when you uh, played, um, you made that that IMG transition to go pro. And, you know, you, that's tremendous accomplishments, you know, in, in those doubles matches, making it to the semis of slam. I mean, mm-hmm. you were right there and uh, which is real exciting. And then when you were 23 years old, that's when you ran into, uh, I know in the racket magazine article, a friend of mine told me he had read that article and Mm -hmm. then I I, I was able to review it, which is really fascinating. And the fact that you were out there on at Wimbledon uh, playing number five seed, Pam Shriver. And I thought it was really cool that uh, you and your, uh, a couple of your doubles partners that you, you know, played with and you guys at, um, you know, it, it was, it's interesting just the, the way that article was written. I thought it was well-written. Oh, and, well. <laughs> Yeah, it was really well-written. You wrote it, right? You wrote yes. that article. And I love the fact you said, you know, you got into the fact that, you know, here was a guy telling you what you could wear. I just thought that really, in today's times, that is just such an amazing comment, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, uh, women have come so far, you know, with Billie Jean. Rosie Casal, you know, the, the nine that just got into the hall of the hall of fame is that original yeah. nine. No, and I just had a podcast last week with, um, uh, with the Los Angeles chapter, uh, director out there. Um, real nice guy. Kim's his last name, but we, we did that. And, and it was really interesting learning that history. You know, I've kind of was familiar with it a little bit, but he tuned me into what had happened prior to you joining come into play right this was oh yeah really earlier you know what what when women you know were trying to get equal pay and and all those things and and you still had to go through some of that a lot of you know a lot of that uh you know trying to make that transition you know and women now are paid i believe pretty pretty close to being the same right uh now versus what in fact another great documentary and and certainly was an inspiration for me to want to make a movie was um venus versus which is ESPN 30 for 30 that Venus Williams um, did. Um, and Ava DeVernay directed it and it's phenomenal. And it's about Venus's quest for equal pay for women. And um, it's very well done. So I highly recommend that if you haven't seen it. Definitely would love to do that. But, you know, this article was really fascinating and, and, and it just struck me when you broke that uh, nylon bodysuit out. I'm just going to tell you that skin tight one. And you, you know, you were out on the court with it. Trust me, there's a lot of us who was hoping you would have come back and, and work the next day, you know, but <laughs> I know that, that, um, well, listen, to, I, I, uh, I thought I was going to end up at the Wimbledon, Wimbledon jail. I mean, I know I read that. Yeah. The Alan, Alan Mill said, you got to yep. take a walk with me. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to right. serious trouble now. And, and I thought, <laughs> you know, they could ban me and uh, never allow right. me to play there again. I mean, right. that's pretty much the establish and the establishment there and i never played well at wimbledon i should have i'm a grass court player but right. it's so up it's so uptight you know right. so uptight and it, it just um and the weather was chilly and um you know clearly you know obviously with the success of lululemon and tights i mean you know right. it people wear tights all the time but if you look at under armor right now it's a global brand i mean yeah. it's all tights i wear you know the shirts and Got, you know, work out in the gym and all the tennis stuff is dry fit now. I mean, you were ahead of your time at that point, really. Yeah, well, didn't, I, I, don't, I don't think players had thought about wearing tennis players had thought about wearing tennis clothing to increase their performance. At right. all. And, you know, heat up the joints and the muscles and, and I'm you're tall anyway. You're almost six foot tall. So, yeah, and I mean, I, you've got long legs and, and back then everything was short. Right. I mean, yeah, you had a lot of you when know, it's cold and, you know, yeah. 
thought uh, it started out as a joke as, as all things do. And then, uh, um, somehow we were able to pull it off and, you know, what got me was a couple of years ago at the French open when Serena was denied to wear what she wanted to wear. And, and I just thought, really, this is still going on. We're still having this conversation, you know, I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, which is fascinating. So, now, when you broke that suit out and you did couldn't wear it for the third set, uh, the the following day, right? And then yes. you ended up taking. I mean, there there was a story within the story about how you, you know, decided to wear that because you were a pony. You pony was your clothing line, right? Yeah, they were paying me to wear the clothes, so. right? And so you made an adjustment to the logos on the suit. There was uh, no logo on the suit. There was no logo on it, but you were able to put a pony did you put up i think you had a couple sponsors on there right i had pony patch uh the 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 suit was made by nike in italy and was sent to me and i had two on one was sleeveless and one was long sleeve because the the sleeveless one was way too sheer and i was like oh my god i can't wear that um so you know i i was you know i was 23 and a bit of a maverick and you know clearly wanted to make a point right um, I think now, you know, however many years later, I think, you know, I was just a little bit ahead of my time and, um, you know, well, it, you know, I'm a big tennis collector. I've got a bigger tennis collector who I did an interview with. He, he started the, uh, uh tennis collectors of America, Dr. Mm-hmm. Michael Eden, and he's got an, it's, it's probably one of the top collections in the world. I mean, it's right up there in the top probably four or five. I mean, it's phenomenal. He's got little bit of everything it's really cool and he doesn't have that one piece suit that you got right (laughs) there's no way he's getting his hands on that because i saw where wimbledon uh basically uh kind of in your window through the grapevine may want that suit to put it in their hall of fame or something like that i don't know if that's true or not but i I know you that kind of got mentioned in the article yeah and i don't think you're too quick to let it go based on no how you got approached right no i'm I'm very happy, you know. Right. I just thought that was so cool. And uh, so that's going to be something that's, uh, you said it was, uh, you you keep that kind of tight at, 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 at mom's, mom and dad's, right? Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Got it locked away. No, that's that's really cool stuff. Did you keep your rackets, any of your rackets that you played with through the, through the years or um, any of your tennis clothing or any of those kind of things? I'm just, know, I, I know I'm getting a little deeper and you didn't expect these yeah, questions, you know but. I haven't I just find thought it... about that. I think I have an old Prince Woody racket here that I used to play with. Before that is cool. Yeah. That is awesome. So you've got but, a Prince Woody then. Yeah, that was, yeah. I started playing like in 80, um, 82, 81, 82. And the Woodies just came in or about the time I started. Because mm-hmm. Borg was still playing at that time. And uh, they had a tournament in Cincinnati. Uh, did you ever go play Cincinnati? I did camp? not. I did not. You, Okay, so I ran into McEnroe and Connors and VJ uh, Ar- Armitage, Edberg, Lindell. At that time, it was a men's tournament, and they went um, co-ed about mm-hmm. seven or eight years ago, I believe, mm-hmm. maybe somewhere around that it's time. Great tournament, I know it's a big tournament. It, it's a phenomenal tournament, so that's probably why you weren't up here at that time. I know it was a, it made sense. It was a it was a men's tournament for a long time, and they they did go do. Uh, go co-ed i tell you it's it's a lot like the u.s open you pretty much have the same draw i mean it's phenomenal and i was up there uh two weeks ago they had mm-hmm. it they have it right before they have the u.s open but uh, i think they have a week break in between that and the u.s open and they do the north carolina tournament there. Mm-hmm. winston-salem tournament they have that one that they just finished that one up but but uh that is so cool that um you know that history that you just came through at a great time for tennis, didn't you? I mean, it was so hot back then in regards to the sport. So many people were playing tennis. Is that just a phenomenal time? Would you agree when you were coming oh, up in your career? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, it was tennis was 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 happening. No right. about it. And I think I think we're seeing a revival now. I know we are. COVID brought on so many. We are insanely busy. Oh, I've got a lot of people calling me. I'm a I'm a pharmaceutical manager, so I've got a, a career of my own. But tennis is something I'm passionate about. And, um, you know, uh, Dennis Vandermeer and all, all those there, I, I'm I'm really, uh, you know, high on because I, that's where I 
got my certification back when I was 26 and got to stay on the island and really got to know Dennis and right. and, and Rick and all those guys. And there's been a, a, been a unity between uh, the USPTA and the, and the PTR. You know, they're, they're really doing a lot more together these days. And it's really cool stuff. And just getting the game out there. And with this COVID thing going on, Annie, Ann, what have you been doing? You know, how did you get through the COVID scenario in California? It's pretty locked down there, right? With for you guys? Yeah, it was it was um it was pretty locked down. I mean, I um I hike a lot in the hills and um right. you know, it, it was it was tough. It was surreal and um right. I mean I we were closed for a couple months and you know, I played a little bit on private courts, but right. um, you know, it was you weren't you weren't going out much and you were not leaving your home. So that's, that's pretty much the way it was here in Kentucky too. We um, you know, I, I was a couple private courts in the area that I was able to get on and play a little bit, you know, uh, but people were so scared and even leery of playing each other, you know, when, it, we, when it first came down, you know, cause we didn't know about the open air. We found out later that being outside, you know, tennis is one of the least risk sports. We found that out a little later as it progressed. Right. Mm-hmm. And cause we, we had people wearing gloves and, you know, everything. And I actually played a match. <laughs> I played a match with a top junior girl here. She's playing the ITF tournaments right now all over the world. And I played her a couple times and wore a mask. And that's tough. You know, I mean, that was tough for me. I'm, I'm spotting her about, uh, well, she, she, uh, Julia Robert, Julie Roberts. She's uh, really, really going to be something. She's going to play really tough D1 anywhere she wants. I mean, mm-hmm. she's awesome and she's winning. A lot of matches in that ITF juniors traveling all over, going all over South America and everywhere. And she's even been doing some of that with the COVID, which is really amazing. But wow, good for uh, her. Yes. Yeah. Just to, I mean, it's just incredible to watch her progression. You know how you were making those moves in your game, just to see the power she's hitting with. And she goes and sees, uh, she uh, went down and Nick, Nick works with her. Oh, nice. Is, yeah. She goes and hangs out down there and, and sees Nick. Uh, Julie takes her, uh, her mother takes her down there and, uh, just phenomenal get to see, you know, to see her progression, but hits the ball so damn hard for an old guy like me to have to run it down in the corners. Right? <laughs> but, but, um, uh, it's fun and, and it's great to see that progression. And, and, you know, you see that youth and that, and that hunt, I mean, she's so smooth and quiet assassins, what I call her, just she, she really cracks it and hits it deep. I get her on clay. I do pretty good, but that hard mm-hmm. court, man, you don't run that down on hard court. No. Deep, sharp corners, right? Really tough, really tough. But um, so and out of curiosity, Am, you know, who are some of the women that when you were, when you were a young professional that you kind of looked up to and, and kind of, you know, took some of the positive habits some of those players had? Well, I mean, I think you could learn from everybody, but, you know, yeah. obviously Billie Jean King, I mean, she had, you know, the, some, the best, you know, next to Martina, the best volleys in the game. I mean, Martina as a serving volleyer was phenomenal and she really changed um, the physical aspect of the game by, you know, working out. She really started including gym workouts and um, all the players started then, you know, training harder off the court. Right. Because I think initially it was really just, you know, putting your time in on the court. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I started doing that, too, which, you know, helped me tremendously. And then six weeks later, I won my first tournament in singles, which was- I saw that. Yeah, it was in Arizona. At the so, yeah. So, so um, yeah. and then certainly, Chris, in terms of, you know, the, the mental aspect, I mean, mm-hmm. there was, you know, nobody sharper than Chris. Mental- Chris was just an assassin out there. I mean, yeah. her ground strokes. Even today, when I watch women, she played the percentages cross court and she had control that was out of this world, right? They're, they're, you couldn't hardly attack her. She hit the ball so sharp. You free points with her. Very you didn't get any free points. And that's why she was tough on Martina early. And then Martina, as time went on, and she developed her, you know, her power game and her net game. And, you know, you could see her progression. Two contrasting styles. Would you agree with that? Those two? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, t- totally polar polar opposites in, in every respect but um you know lifelong friends too which is, yeah. which is another great thing about the game i think you know now more than ever in this crazy world that we live in and with this past year and a half of covid you know people want community they want to be um you know having fun with friends and and being able to 
um, incorporate their children into, you know, after school activities. And tennis um, really is seeing a, a, a total rebirth um, from where it was. I mean, it's, it's back to, uh, you know, huge growth and it's exciting. It is exciting. Did you see, uh, did you remember, did you ever play against Yvonne Gulligan? I did. I'm just curious because she was, I always thought she was so athletic, you know, just a, a athlete that had a tennis racket in her hand. That's kind of the way I thought of her. You know, yeah, I, played I beat her on grass, a warm-up tournament before England, and uh, that was, you know, certainly a thrill. I mean, to be, she was such a graceful player um, and stylish and, and had incredible balance. Um, so that was. Um, you you know, got a win, you got a warm-up win against her on grass? Yeah, at Birmingham. Awesome warm-up grass court tournament before Wimbledon, I think in 83 or Which tournament was that out of curiosity? Do you recall the name of it? Um, Birmingham. Birmingham. They still had that one. Too, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that year I lost in the finals to Pam. I lost to Schreiber. Okay. Either Pam was, uh, for the year she was an interesting player. I mean, she, um, she, she had a volley, you know, good volley game. You both are tall too, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you line up pretty even in that regard, right? She's about six foot as well, right? She's a little taller than I am. Yeah. Okay. And she had a really good net game. Uh, she her, seemed like her game was more designed to get to the net, wasn't it? Oh, what absolutely. I yeah. Yeah. She, she had. She definitely hit a lot of um, slice, slice backhands, and kind of yeah. slice forehand. But you know, she was a very smart player, and of course, she and Martina had you know so many grand slams together, slams. right? Yes. You know, um, my so. goodness. Yeah. She, they had, she, that team was, uh, I don't know how many slams they've got, but it's gotta be double digits, right? Yeah. Sure. I mean, it's way up there. And then, um, the Brian brothers came along and just blew everything away. They had like 21, I believe slams mm -hmm. or something crazy. But, uh, yeah, from, from a, from a, um, I, I think you were, I mean, phenomenal did you get the was billy jean had she stopped playing at that point or was she still going at the end when you she, started um she was still playing a little bit i mean okay. i think um betsy and i beat her in the quarterfinals of the u.s open um beat chris and billy jean in the quarters and then we lost to pam and martina in the semis so that's um, a great that's was, a great win right there yeah I mean, that that's was, something that was, you can put down in the you know Goes in the legend book. I mean, that's phenomenal. And that hurts. I mean, when you're a competitor, I know, you know, I still play a lot of competitive tournaments against young guys, and I'm quite a bit older than they are. I'm 62, and all these guys are 19, you know, and it's still fun to get one every now and then, right? Yeah, absolutely. My, absolutely. My, you know, what's cool about that is um, they put out just as hard then as they did when they were, you know, at their in their prime. And, you know, I know right now, as you and I are talking, Djokovic just lost, dropped a set to a kid. Mm -hmm. uh, that kid, I don't know if you got it on the background. Yeah, or I not. saw it. Yeah, he was crazy. phenomenal. Do you think that kid struck the ball real clean? Uh, it looked like it. He looked yeah, young. from what I saw, was, he was hitting it clean. But uh, uh, that was when I was prepping for our call tonight before uh, we started talking. I don't, you know, I don't have it on now. Of course, I'm giving you my undivided attention, but I thought that was pretty phenomenal. Um, what motivates and what keeps you going uh, today, Ann? I know you've got a mother there that, uh, uh well, my, I'm, um, they're, you know, they're, um, having some health issues. So I, I, come, yeah. this is my eighth trip in the last, um, 14 months to Florida. So I come here every six to eight weeks to see gotcha. them, usually Nick too. And, um, and then, you know, I, um, running the Beverly Hills tennis club has been a real treat and, um, it's mm -hmm. a, wonderful club right in the heart of Beverly Hills. We've got five courts and um, Naomi's been training there um, for mm -hmm. the last, I don't know, nine months before the, all her tournaments. And so it's been a real treat to get to watch her play. Well, she crushes the ball. Yeah. One she, thing I've noticed about her, she's gotten stronger and she's, she's getting her rhythm and timing back right now, you know, from all the COVID not getting to play and then just a lot going on this year for her. But, I know she had that. She really put a lot into wanting that Japan Olympics, you know, and that was that was you know, Joe Fitch didn't get a didn't get a medal, which is yeah crazy. But uh, just the fact that you know that's a lot of pressure in your hometown, you know. And, and I did not realize how hot and humid Japan was. I mean, that's probably as hot as you'll ever see it anywhere. It's like ninety well, plus every day. 
Some of the players at the open, you know, they cramp due to the humidity and, you know, that's, that's tough. I mean, you, you've got to be, you know, not only mentally sound, but physically fit. And then you've got to know your body and know the electrolyte level. And if you're sweating all, that's why you see all those players, you know, with all his little mixtures of bottles and stuff. He's, you know, (laughs) right. And most of the singles guys, they didn't do doubles. They didn't play mixed, you know. Djokovic tried to do mixed, and it still takes it out of you on top of all that other stuff. And he makes the Grand Slam finals this year. He's going for the calendar slam, which is a rarity. You rarely ever see that in a lifetime, you know. And, uh, I mean, it, that's that's a challenge. And uh, I'm hoping that, you know, that he pulls that off. I mean, I think it would be an amazing task. I know Laver did that, and uh, – I think there was one other, maybe Budge, maybe someone else might have done that, but it's it's a real rare. Yeah, it might it might be another fifty years before anybody. Yes, <laughs> I may not get to see another one, so I'm hoping it. You know, he I'd love to see him do it, and then um, and then uh, the women's game right now is so wide open. What are your thoughts on that? You know, what what are you thinking as far as the eight to ten women could win this tournament? What are your thoughts? I mean, I think Bart, Barty's, you know, very smart player. And um, I like her game and her shot selection. Um, it's, you know, that slice backhand is a real, real asset when you're playing those players with a two-handed backhand, you know, and that's that's um, a great a great shot to have. I mean, I think she's a favorite. I think Naomi's, you know, right up there. I mean, she loves that hard right. court in New York. And, uh, um she you know, has a great chance of winning this. I mean, I think if she can just improve a little bit, a little bit each match, that will give her confidence. Uh, just an observation: she goes for a lot, you know. And uh, it when it's in, man, it's a winner. I mean, she crushes it. It's just that consistency piece when she runs up against someone who's got really incredible legs that can run it down and take some of her pace and give it back to her. You know, that's the challenge they all have at the top, right? I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I personally, I love Muguruza's game. I think she has a beautiful game. I think, um, you know, if she gets on a streak and gets hot, I mean, she's a contender. Um, um, Benchik uh, from Switzerland. I mean, yeah. she, she's a good player. So, you know, I think there's, there's at least, you know, six or eight players that have a, a real shot. Who's the one that dates Monfils, uh, the the French guy? He's got a, the. There was a girl that dated him that she uh, is an incredible player too. I'm trying to think of her name. She's a really good player. Uh, she, oh, oh Svitolina or yeah, that's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah. You got it. Yes. I, did she win? I, I, I'm not sure. Did she win? She her was. Match? She was in a battle last night. I don't know yeah. if she pulled that out or not. She, she's another great player too. Yeah, know, she's a tough player. And I'm trying to think who ended up. Uh, do you recall who got the gold, silver, and bronze in the Olympics for the women? I know um, um, from, on, from a single standpoint that you said Benchik. Yeah. So I think she might have got a medal. She got the gold, yeah. Oh, she got the gold. That's why I was remembering. And then The Swiss girl. Um, the, you know, I'm drawing a blank right I now. I am too, but I, you're right Swiss. about Benchik. Ben, I didn't really follow playing, the Olympics that closely. Yeah, yeah, it was tough to keep up with it based on the times and things, you know, that kind of thing. But you're right, she Benchik did end up getting the gold, and she'll definitely be a threat at the Open, too, you know, with that experience, and she's getting better every year as well. But uh, just out of curiosity, and when it, when you look back at the players that you played against, who are some others that you, you competed against and, and were able to pull out some wins? Because I know you've, uh, you know. I, had a, I beat uh, Manlikova. That was a big win for me. Um, it on- is a big win, yeah. yeah. And then um, was she's in the top? Was she? Did she end up being number one? She was in the top five, right? She, I'm not. Okay, I knew right she was up there. there. I yeah. Maybe yeah, she was maybe two or three. I'm not 100 yep. percent sure, but she was up there at one point. Was that hard court you beat her on, or was it? Yeah, on the hard court. Um, Sylvia Hanika on the. She was a. I think she got the finals of the French. Uh, Virginia Rizic, I think she won the French. Um, I had, I had a lot of, um, I had a, you know, a handful of really good wins and, um, you know, I was a streaky player and a, a risk taker when I played. So, um, you know, I had, you had a lot of double success too, though. Yeah. I mean, I mean, when I look at, uh, your accomplishments and doubles, even in the slams, I mean, semifinals, that's incredible. I mean, you've done that more than once mm-hmm. and then, you know, uh, the fact you you had 136 wins 
in doubles that you know that's a lot of wins yeah well i won i think i won eight tournaments with six partners or yeah something like six okay partners so i had a lot of different partners and then i did get to the round of 16 in singles at the french and the u.s open so oh really that's yeah. awesome I've, I had two, see, um, that's awesome yeah you so you had some you had to have some really quality wins to make it to the the round of 16 because those draws those draws are uh are they 128 or are they yeah, 128 Okay, so that's yeah. you know that's a lot of that's the top 120 players in the world, and to make it in the in the top 16, that's impressive. Um, I was reflecting back. I played another player in my career, Susan Sloan. She got to 19 in the world at one mm-hmm. time. She won the Virginia Slims, I think, in Nashville. Mm-hmm. That was, was a tournament that she won. She's a hometown girl. Fritz yeah, Fritz was her coach, and uh, mm-hmm. but uh, she was you know a. a I don't think she played as long as you did. I know she played and she had some success, but uh, it's just incredible. Uh, again, having you on tonight. Hey, I, I have a couple of questions, if you don't mind. It's sure. a Growth Mindset Podcast. I'm going to throw out these questions and whatever the first thing that comes to mind, you just kind of throw it out there. Okay. okay. All right. So uh, what do you think when you hear the word fixed mindset? A fixed mindset. Somebody who limits their thought. Very good. What do you think about growth mindset? Uh, someone who thinks big and thinks uh, is, you know, endless. I mean, you know, that that's it. You nailed it. Opportunities, you know, that's that, it. You just you you always find a way. You're always did I did I, did I get grow. a prize? Hey, you nailed it. I mean, that's what this podcast is. And, and uh, that's really, and the reason we wanted to have you on is because you've always had that growth mindset and you've taken on a lot of challenges uh, in the game of tennis and, 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 you know, really being an ambassador for tennis. Uh, and we're just grateful to have you on tonight to just get to learn more about you and about your career and, and about, uh, you know, all those players coming up you know, and, and how you kind of grew in with the game and, and uh, you've given a lot back. And I know you told me you had a 20 year gap in there out of curiosity. What were you doing there in that time? <laughs> I, um, I actually did some broadcasting. I covered the U S open for a couple oh, nice. of years for USA network and did a bunch of commercials. And then cool. I um, was in the wholesale watch business. I worked for Cartier and, and Jaeger La Cultura um, and traveled, um, you know, over, I don't know, over a hundred thousand miles a year for about 10 years. And that's then amazing. that's yeah. when I hit the wall. I was like, I can't, yeah. I, I've traveled my whole life. And that is phenomenal. I'm, I mean, I'm it's a good so traveler, kind of, but I don't want to do it. No, that, well, I've been on planes to France and, you know, over to Spain. And I mean, it only took me like two trips. I'm like, man, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, so I worked, you know, I worked in luxury goods for close to 20 years. So. Did you really? That yeah. is incredible. Now I know our audience may or may not know this, and you'll probably reach through the phone and slap me when I tell them this, but uh, it may be not. But modeling was something that you you were approached on at one point when when you were getting ready to go pro in tennis, right? And you had an yeah, opportunity to model. I was approached to do some modeling. <laughs> yeah, I just thought I'd throw it out there. Yeah, but, uh, that's really. They told cool. me to lose ten pounds too, and that, that that's what it was. You had that in the article I read. You know, I thought that was interesting. You're tall and thin anyway, right? Well. Not yeah. then enough to be a model, but you know, that it, tennis was, you know, I'd worked my whole life. It was in your blood. Yeah. That was right around the time you were looking to go turn pro right after in college or something around that time. Um, yes. Yes. Okay. Ford, who was the head of Ford modeling agency, saw my picture and. Right. That um, is, that's amazing. Wanted me to go to New York and model and thank God I didn't do that. So. <laughs> hey, we've been blessed to have you on here. Um, I just would, uh, one final question would be, I guess, um, if you could, there's a young Ann White out there right now that's picking a tennis racket up and they're, you know, they're probably about six years old and maybe even younger. How old were you when you picked your first racket up? Your dad kind of. Not, not even six. I was oh, like five and a half. Five and a half. So there's a, there's a five and a half, you know, I, I had taught a few of them this uh, last summer, you know, mm-hmm. during the COVID, you know, the parents would still let them go to the court and me wear a mask and then wear one. We could hit some balls. Right. Yeah. And I had a, a, one little girl that she was just phenomenal, almost uh, incredible. I actually never played, but picked it up and it was natural to her. Right. What would you tell another young and white out there that's picking a racket up and, and what advice would you, would you give her? 
you know, my advice is number one, whether you're five or 95, right. have fun on the court, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, it, it have fun, you know, I, mm-hmm. that's the key to the whole but, thing. I, yeah, it you took play, me a while to figure that out, but nobody you, you can put a lot of pressure on yourself out there if you're not yeah, careful you gotta have fun you gotta enjoy um your coach you know whoever you're working with you need to have that kind of special little bond and um where you you know you're able to trust that person that's helping you learn as a, a beautiful skill like tennis and well, it's gorgeous it's an art form i think it's just yeah and yeah. um you've got to enjoy spending your, your time out there. And, um, you know, I, I say now that, you know, the kids, you know, the people I work with, you know, I said, I, all I do is polish trophies. Everybody's a trophy and some people need a little bit more polish, but you know, it, I love that. Yeah. yeah, It's, it's really about having a good time on the court and learning how to make the best of what you have. I mean, not everybody's going to play Wimbledon, but Mm -hmm. You know, you can certainly learn how to play competitive, you know, club doubles or singles or whatever you like by, mm-hmm. you know, learning some some basic skills and fundamentals and then some strategy on how to make good choices. And to me, one of the great things about tennis is, you know, community, as I spoke about before, and the friendships and um, but also the life lessons and, and the things that you learn, um, you know, for thinking for yourself and making decisions and um learning how to manage your, your emotions and, um, tempi- well, we all needed that, right? We all learned that oh, yeah. eventually, didn't we? I'm, I'm still working on it, but I'm I, still too, I, but improved. <laughs> I mean, I can give you an example of me hitting balls out of stadiums and, you know, when I was younger, but I learned and you begin to trust yourself and realize it's okay to give the other person credit. Right. I mean, uh-huh. it's, it's, you know, it's, We've had some knockdown drag outs. I mean, I've been in the middle of them being a young buck that picked it up late, but very competitive athlete. And, you know, and I mean, a lot of times it's not the car you're driving or how many rackets you got or what country club you played at. A lot of it comes down to heart, you know, out on the court and work. And, but at the end of the day, if you know, what you just advice you gave, have fun, really engage with your coach and, start with where you are and just build on that. Right. Enjoy the process. I mean, I remember during COVID I spoke to one of the the mothers of the, one of my students and, and um, I said, you know, I, I I may not be the right coach. You know, I, I, you know, you, you you feel free to use somebody else. I just, Mm -hmm. and they said, no, you know, I, I know that my students having a tough time, but we really like you and you're the only um, teacher that my, um, daughter has seen in the last year and that really hit me I was like whoa you know so yeah. you know it, at this stage of the game you know you realize that you're really making an imprint on on everybody's life that you coach and especially children and my mother taught fourth grade and still has her students calling her and telling her that you know she was the greatest teacher ever yeah, that's phenomenal and, and Nick as well I mean everybody mm-hmm. loves Nick for the most part and and realize what an impact he made on, on their lives. And if you, if you were fortunate enough to, to train with him and um, you know, and that's, a, that's a lasting gift. And um, you know, there's not, they're not a, not a better gift than that. Well, thank you for the gift of uh, Ann White sharing tonight with us on our growth mindset podcast. And uh, we were blessed to have you on tonight. Oh, and thank uh, you. Oh, we really a- appreciate your time too. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. Hey, we want to wish you a safe trip back to Los Angeles and wish uh, uh, your mother, is your father still around? Yeah. We want to wish them both uh, the best. Oh, well, thank you. That means a lot. I really appreciate it. Take care of yourself. and okay. We'll see you. You take care. Okay. Bye. Right. Night.